Welcome to Get Wisdom with your hosts, Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Imagine if God was a co-host. What if the historically rare ability to converse with God and get profound answers to questions has been rediscovered? What would God say to today's troubled world? Get Wisdom will share those answers. Now, here is Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. Welcome to another episode of Get Wisdom. I'm Brian Kelly, along with Get Wisdom founder and director, Carl Mollison. This week, we're going to look at uh, Creator's perspective on intervention versus interference. It's uh, not always an easy distinction to make, Carl. Well, I fear I feel interfered with uh, <laughs> fairly <laughs> frequently, so so this resonates with me, I guess. Uh, there's there's many many aspects. You know, we're we're always bumping into one another. And sometimes it's to intervene, sometimes it's to interfere, and sometimes it's just bad timing all the way around for people. But there's there's a lot to learn about it and things to keep in mind, kind of rules to the rules of the road. Yeah, this is an art of living dilemma, I think, is a good way to phrase this. You ask creator to intervene or not to intervene. That is the question. It was never penned by Shakespeare, but perhaps should have been. For our purposes, we'll define intervention as the uninvited insertion of self into the lives or activities of others. Those others can be strangers or even close family. Intentionally inserting oneself into the lives of others is a bold move and one that is always one is always you know risking being rejected or repulsed when they do so. What is Creator's perspective on this art of living dilemma? All right, and this is what the uh, words of Creator are that I channeled. This indeed is a delicate balance of asked and unasked blessings from those around us and the temptation to the self of taking action to perhaps persuade someone to do something more to our liking or to do a charitable intervention on their behalf to perhaps save them from themselves if they're making a mistake in terms of behavior socially unacceptable to most individuals, but perhaps being blind to that in the moment. There are many, many circumstances when humans interact with one another that must strike a balance. And that is the key always with any interpersonal interchange. In keeping with the injunctions we have given you as part of the 10 divine principles for living, the first is raise up the self with no harm to others. And then secondly, raise up others with no harm to the self. These two principles sum up very nicely how to comport oneself when interacting with others for whatever purpose one might have. Serving the self must not be done in a selfish way through taking more than one's fair share or exploiting others to gain an advantage. If an action is to be of service, it must be done in a genuine way without sacrificing something of value to the self unduly and simply serving others to a fault, so to speak. In wanting to help someone else, one must not compromise personal integrity in some way by demeaning oneself in deference to another. That can end up causing a karmic difficulty and become a wound caused through one's actions. So again, the ideal is to have a good balance between self and others with respect to the intentions of any action and the anticipation of its consequences. So there's a couple of things here. One is the 10 Divine Principles for Living, which you can get at getwisdom.com slash 10EN. 
getwisdom.com slash 10. You can download those 10 principles for a living. They are free to everybody. Um, so we just thought they'd throw that out there. Um, the other thing is that creator is really also kind of emphasizing, which a lot of religions don't do, I don't think, to a strong extent, that you can't sacrifice the self for the, ex- for the benefit of others exclusively. You know, you have to serve the self as well, and that's something that's important to keep in mind. Yes, and, and this is a very important lesson, because as a healer, I can tell you many of the things my clients struggle with in their lives, and really all of us, are things we do to ourselves. Yep. The ways we shortchange our own needs, put ourselves second or last in line, and then we end up hurting ourselves, really absolutely hurting ourselves, and and really dimming and, and constraining our world going forward. And that can be a lifelong deficit well, and, even and more lead life. into other lives as well. And yes, we, we, we can have a karmic debt to ourselves, essentially. <laughs> yeah, it's typical, really. Fascinating. You ask creator, then there is the Good Samaritan dilemma. There's no shortage of people in need in this world. And there is a line of thinking that the need itself is one's invitation or even mandate, in the opinion of some, to intervene for their benefit and upliftment. The downside is the ever-present risk of unintended consequences. One is often is the over, often overlooked acquisition of a responsibility. For instance, there is a legal recognition of duty to complete a rescue once commenced. There is no duty to rescue a drowning person, especially if you cannot swim. But once you make the decision to try and rescue... You are now bound by the law to make every reasonable effort to complete the task. Failure to do so can result in liability to the victim. What is Creator's perspective on the all-or-nothing perspective on this all-or-nothing perspective toward Good Samaritans? And Creator tells us here again, one must choose to act in a way that is even-handed and balanced in terms of the competing needs in this circumstance. When there is an extreme outcome, such as the death of an individual in danger, this is perhaps the greatest of trials to the conscience, as well as the karmic standing of a person witnessing the dilemma of a helpless individual. If to attempt to rescue would be fatal to both, there is nothing noble in the attempt. Even though the choice seems quite agonizing to a person used to taking action, and in that instance, whatever and whomever is responsible for the plight of the person destined to die in the event underway will be causing secondary wounding to anyone observing the drama and feeling caught up in things because they are a witness to tragedy but are helpless and can do nothing truly effective to prevent what is happening and will carry the trauma even as a witness alone. So there will be two victims in the outcome. This is why most people in such a situation, if there is a reasonable chance of saving someone in danger, will go to great lengths to help if they can, even with a personal risk of injury, and in many cases, even when there is a chance or even likelihood of death. It is because of the wounding to the self that will happen regardless that makes it so intolerable to remain as an observer doing nothing to help. People simply do not want this on their conscience, as life has taught them there will be a price. The divine nature is on the divine nature on display in most humans is the greater wisdom that one does have an obligation inherently, being part of the human family, 
to see to the needs of one another and to help others in need when one can. This is in keeping with the divinity of the true makeup of each person being an extension of creator's consciousness and therefore part of the divine directly. So it is going against one's true nature and origin to turn a blind eye to the suffering of someone being threatened. This will only happen when there has been some corruption so that a person turns away because of great inner fear it has caused or through selfishness or selfishness from becoming insensitive to the plight of others because their disconnection from their higher self and a higher awareness of their own soul's makeup has rendered them heartless and unable to experience love and relate to the needs of others by truly feeling in sympathy with their dilemma. There are many individuals who are heavily corrupted in this way. So, in fact, the desire to go out of one's way to help to whatever extent one can is a test of character and divine alignment. You know, this is a really interesting answer. And, you know, it's interesting. I think you can see this kind of behavior, um, especially on the roadside. You know, if somebody's in extreme trouble, like if, if you were to drive by and you saw, you know, a couple people, maybe a mother and her child in the car, and there's heavy, thick black smoke coming out from under the hood and there's nobody else that looks qualified there to help, I know I'm going to pull over. And I think a lot of people do. You end up with a little traffic jam in those situations. And that can be a very dangerous situation because a car can explode, but people will go out of their way to really help in those situations. Um, And it's an interesting question for creator, I think, to maybe ask sometime. You know, when 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 there's a pile up and then the traffic is backed up for three miles and people are gawking, how much of that gawking is just, you know, curiosity versus maybe just that little inside, you know, desire to see if you can be of help, if something is calling you out of that situation. Well, this is uh, the way life goes. It's a test of us. And we have the ability to kind of peer in on others in a way that's unprecedented in all of human history. I think of television sometimes as a gigantic gaper's block <laughs> where everybody's <laughs> gawking at, at the plight of others. Yes. And there's a certain fascination, a morbid fascination, if you will. But it's really more about wanting to be informed, wanting to see what's happening, maybe learn from it, take it as a warning perhaps, or at least figure out, you know, is this a danger that could apply to me and what's yeah. happening? And, <laughs> and, and it's a survival instinct to find out what's happening, what's going on, what's wrong. But then comes the prick of inner conscience. Well, okay, now what? You know, what are you going to do about it? What am I going to do? And that's what taps into our humanity. If we're still connected at all, we will feel it. We'll feel that kind of inner yearning to be of service. But in today's world, it's not so simple. There's many complications and dangers as well. Yes, absolutely. Nothing's easy these days. You ask creator, parents and teachers are confronted with this art of living dilemma on practically a daily basis. There's probably not a child in existence who hasn't screamed at an adult at least once, let me do it. But of course, adults cannot let children go ahead and just do anything they want without supervision. Too much supervision is stultifying and too little exposes the vulnerable to enhanced dangers. 
Can creators share any rules of thumb that will help supervisors intervene only when necessary and with maximum divine balance and wisdom? All right. This is a good parenting kind of question and maybe adult supervisor uh, opportunity to, to learn a little something. Creator tells us, here again, the main factor and consideration that will help a person do the right thing in such circumstances will be the degree to which they are in touch with their true nature within. And their heart is able to respond with loving kindness when they see a young person who is challenged and whose feelings might be greatly hurt by looking foolish and are struggling themselves with an inner impulse to be bold and take on a challenge and perhaps are overreaching and putting themselves at risk of failure. When one has a supervisory responsibility, as with teaching children or in a childcare setting, and one is on duty, there is a need to put personal feelings aside or at least subordinate them somewhat to the needs of the more vulnerable young person. This means being willing to give them loving support, nurturing, and guidance that might need to be firm even denying what the child would like to see happen if the outcome would be truly harmful. But a wise and patient parent or teacher will often let a child try to succeed, even when failures seem certain. How else are children to learn what their limits truly are, except through the attempt? The key is being there to help support the youngster when they fail with a little bit of encouragement and perhaps some perspective that they made a good effort. And the thing to learn from the experience is that perhaps they need to wait until they're a bit older or perhaps growing greater strength or developing coordination through practice or spending more time learning about the fundamentals they need and the skills, whatever might be the case. But in a way that is encouraging and not judgmental and negative in tone, that would be felt as a judgment and make the child feel shame and humiliation, concluding they are inadequate and unworthy when it is simply the case they are inexperienced and need to chalk this up to experience and not feel diminished. They can still enjoy the fact they made a noble effort. And if that is the attitude of the adult supervisor, they will learn much from their failure and will learn to take failure in stride and develop the ability to calibrate a new challenge with respect to what they have experienced is doable with their current skills and talents and will be better equipped next time to know what they can handle. And this will lead with a little coaching to some new coping strategies and learning techniques to break a complex endeavor down to its various pieces and do one aspect at a time. When it is unrealistic to expect success in carrying out the entire operation in sequence, when they are likely to falter with some of the more complex and less experienced aspects. So here as well, the parent or teacher can be a positive force for good simply by explaining why they might be struggling with a certain aspect, even though they can do other things readily. This is the essence of teaching, to have an interplay with the student perceiving what they might be struggling with and giving extra attention to shed light on the missing information or how they might go about trying something in a different way that could be easier and more doable for them in particular 
whatever their struggle might be with respect to their own personal inadequacies. People learn much more from their failures than their successes. So any failure that ends in self-judgment, shame, and guilt has turned a learning opportunity into a trauma that can, in fact, become life-limiting if taken to heart. The greatest responsibility of an adult caretaker is to prevent such things from happening, to stifle the curiosity and initiative of the young and set them up to be limited in life by their own low self-esteem. Yeah, I'd say it's critically important that people remember that when um, intervening with a child in this sense, it's incredibly important to not berate them, you know, and and pile on, you know, pour gasoline on the fire of their failure, you know, because that doesn't help. <laughs> um, definitely not. And it's, it's a real art form to teach because everybody's unique. You know, you have to adjust your approach to just about everybody at some point. Well, I grew up uh, experiencing a fair number of bullying teachers and, you know, saw bullying students pummeling one another all the time, ready to pile in and rub it in and humiliate them further. This is the order of the day in many school classrooms, and it depends on the level of corruption and so on. But as I work with people and probe their subconscious and what's really on their mind, what's really troubling them deep within, it's often these early childhood events where they were shamed and humiliated and bullied in some way, made to feel small. And, And that's so easy with the child because they have to learn so much and starting from zero, figure everything out, how to even use their body, let alone their mind. And, and those wounds stay forever they stay all life long and they'll go with you into the next life yes and there's a way to resolve that trauma and that's one of the services we can offer for people but the the message here is watch for the opportunities to prevent that from happening in the first place that is a blessing you're giving to the world when you coach or nurture a young person and give them a little slack and give them encouragement instead of criticism. Absolutely. You know, uh, you know, I'm not wanting to brag about this, but you know, I was bullied in school myself once and uh, a lot actually, but you know, in the eighth grade, I uh, was pinched by somebody one too many times, and I, I th- jumped out of my chair and started throwing punches right and left and backed this kid all the way across the classroom across the teacher's desk with the teacher sitting there. <laughs> and that teacher sent that kid to the principal's office and let me go back to my desk and resume my drawing. <laughs> and I never forgot that, you know. Um, you know, using violence in response to that may not have been the best choice, but uh, it really you know, gave me a new sense of confidence and tremendous respect for the teacher, the way he handled that situation. Well, there was someone who was insightful and probably weighed in the track records of you and that other individual and figured who was likely to be the instigator and and cut, cut some slack there for you and meeting out the justice. So I'm you were sure. lucky. Yeah, I was lucky because you probably couldn't get away with that today. <laughs> but... Uh, 
but it was it made a huge impression on me. You know, I never forgot that. It's, it, there's are there are some seminal moments in life that just kind of, you know, light up brighter than other moments, and that was one. Not necessarily the best moment, but st- you know, bullies are such a problem, and standing yeah. up to them sometimes is really the only answer. I think. Be sure yeah. to check us out at getwisdom.com. Uh, you can join as a participant member. Uh, it's eternally free, and you can check out uh, thousands of questions that have been asked at the getwisdom.com Divine Wisdom Database. Um, and be sure to get some more answers coming back for the second half of this program. We'll see you right back after this. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Change your world. Change your life. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the second segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We're talking about Creator's perspective on intervention versus interference. And uh, it's a dilemma that people probably face almost daily, you know, in small ways. But uh, once in a while, there's the big decision that comes along to do that. Yeah, it's really a choice between helping and hurting, I think, is another way we could have titled this. But uh, uh, it's a little more formal. But it, it's an important issue. Yeah, we got a couple <laughs> pretty interesting examples coming up here. You asked creator, in Texas a few years ago, a young man who had learned a few tentative Aikido moves, which Aikido is a martial art, found himself in a convenience store just as it was being robbed. Rather than stay out of it, he intervened and used his fledgling skills to execute a Shihonage move. The result was the robber fell backwards, having lost all balance, and cracked his skull, cracked his skull on the tile floor, dying moments later. Can Creator comment on the common consequences of the intervener's decision, and whether the divine considers his actions intervention or interference? Right, and this is what Creator tells us. In this kind of situation, the law of karma would be the deciding force coming to bear through the workings of the universe. As karma is always involved energetically in all that happens. This is because everything taking place is recorded for all time. 
and assign the energies, positive or negative, with great specificity about one's involvement and the relative responsibility one bears as to whether they were a victim or perpetrator, if negative consequences arise, and to what extent they were a benefactor or acting with an ulterior selfish motive in the case of positive energy being offered. In this case, there was an attempt to right a wrong. So the mitigating factors would be to what extent this was done rashly with little thought to the level of force being applied that might have been overdone and with greater experience would be seen to be putting the individual at risk of having a serious damaging blow directly or indirectly, especially if unconsciousness were inflicted. If there was a selfish desire in the mix to be a hero, that is no excuse when harm to another results from one's actions. If it was an entirely selfless act that simply backfired unintentionally, that could not have been predicted in advance. That, too, is a strong mitigating factor that will outweigh a karmic liability, even causing the death of someone. Because, in effect, the robber's decision to commit an act of wrongdoing in the first place karmically predisposes them to receive blame because they are responsible then for what might be done to counter their wrongdoing. And this would include risking their life and having the karmic consequence of having their life ended prematurely because of a rash act of misjudgment for selfish reasons. The same might happen were a policeman on the scene ordering them to stop, and perhaps if they acted belligerently, might be shot and killed. There is an obligation to the soul to safeguard one's health and well-being, so any criminal behavior puts the person at risk for loss of freedom and much anguish, as well as a physical consequence from someone fighting back against their inappropriateness. And things can get out of hand and even become a fatal outcome. The law of karma will be dispassionate, even though humans on a human level, particularly through the legal system, might not receive an exquisite accounting and assignment of responsibility. Laws are often arbitrary, seeking simple black or white distinctions, guilt or innocent, with only crude levels of relative assignment of culpability, as in being charged with murder as opposed to manslaughter, with a choice of only several degrees of culpability. There are many cases in legal rulings where meaning well is not an excuse. If someone causes harm to another, they will have a legal responsibility to pay for what happens. The law of karma will often make dual assignments or multiple assignments of responsibility from a finer analysis of all parties having a hand in something coming about directly or indirectly to varying degrees. So this is simply making the case that one needs to proceed with caution and wisdom in every undertaking. A rash act will put the person at risk if there is not time to ponder what is at stake, what is the most appropriate action to take, and the level of effort expended. So it is in proportion to needs in balancing level of obligation 
versus the need for honoring personal integrity as well as the needs of others. You know, I, I practice Aikido myself, Carl, and uh, it's a fascinating martial art because it, it has the philosophy of, you know, using the attacker's energy against them, but only the, to the extent necessary to neutralize the attack. You're, you're, you're supposed to not injure the aggressor. You know, it, it's kind of a divine art in that sense, I think. And I've known a number of, um, you know, black belts and had some stories over, over drinks and stuff after, after a training class. And I've learned that a lot of them have used Aikido in, in the street when they were attacked. And almost all of them had a deep-seated level of regret because they, they really significantly injured their opponent. And um, even in the training on the mat and stuff, there's a, there's a conflict about, you know, inflicting maximum damage versus just the amount of force necessary. And, and this gets into the whole, you know, reaching out and healing the perpetrator's argument, you know. Do you, do you pour it onto the perpetrator or do you have um, compassion for the perpetrator, you know, and, and have to stop them but only with enough force necessary to do so? Well, this is certainly the dilemma of the hour culturally at the moment with the uh, trials underway for a man who died with a knee on his neck and, and those kinds of issues. And it, it is important for people to understand their responsibility in things, even as a witness, and to really be careful in all they take on and really have wisdom and good discernment in their choices. This is a powerful idea that everything goes on record. Everything. Yes. The universe is watching you, and this is the law of karma, and, and it's recorded. It's like a tape recorder that's constantly running, and it records every detail of everything you do and experience. So there's nowhere to hide. It will come home to roost at some point in the future. There's a kind of a delay that happens, and then it comes back around to you. So you need to do things the right way, or at least the best you can. And this is quite a dilemma, and I don't think society's figured this out at all. I mean, they no. keep coming up with partial answers. You know, we've got tasers and so on. Well, not everybody can carry a taser, and if you're up against someone with a gun, try bringing out a taser. It's not going to intimidate them. You're likely to end up dead. Right. <laughs> Before you can fire the thing. And and so, you know, it reminds me of when I was growing up. You'd see in the movies, the men in white coats would be coming for people. You know, if yeah. there was someone who was wildly out of control, the men in white coats would show up. And I don't know if you remember that, but they had literally white coats like oh, medical yeah, I remember. staff. Yeah. The, the paddy wagon. They were the little little white padded, beanies. You know? They had a little white kind of co- uh, hat on to, you know, their uniform. So they were yeah. the, the the protectors of the deranged, the uh, uncontrollable. Yeah. And they would literally throw a net over the person and then carry them away. So they could have a time to calm down, uh, presumably, and then, you know, disposed of in whatever way was appropriate, going to a hospital facility or, or maybe a jail cell. But it, it speaks to the issue of not having a safe way to stop these things yes. in progress and, you know, and, and safeguard the personal safety of everyone, including the perpetrator. Including the perpetrator, yep. 
Yeah, because people shouldn't have to die from someone's poor judgment in wanting to hold up a liquor store or a convenience store or or do a carjacking or something. Yeah, no, I agree completely. U.S. creator, a massively popular recording artist witnessed the drowning of a friend as a child. An older teenager was there as well, and this person just stood there and watched and did nothing beyond saying, hold on. The artist came to blame this person for the drowning death of his friend because he chose not to intervene. Decades later, the recording artist wrote a song recounting the event, invited the now much older adult but then teenager to the song's premiere in front of an audience of thousands, seating him in the center front row. He then sang the song that went on to become one of this recording artist's biggest hits, mocking the man with his own words, hold on. The man went home and hanged himself as a result of the shaming. What is creator's perspective of both the teens in actions and the later retribution of the recording artist? All right, and this is creator's answer. In this instance, there were many factors involved beneath the surface of things. This is often the case, and the reason why it is unwise for anyone to judge another, because they are not walking in that person's shoes. So in this case, the young artist-to-be, whose older companion failed to act, even though it seemed within that individual's capability to save the drowning victim, he could not know all the factors involved, making that older gene freeze up in the moment and only offer vocal encouragement, but nothing physical that might put himself at risk. Many people in a particular circumstance of that kind where there is risk to personal welfare, will react strongly, deep within their mind because of a karmic trauma, even occurring in other lifetimes, that is so severe it creates an extreme level of interfere and conflict, rendering them helpless to act. Until you have experienced such a circumstance, you can't know how impossible it might be for someone to take action because they are under duress that is not observable to an outside party. Everyone has their limit in what they can tolerate. If being frozen in fear prevents them from acting in a way that another might take care of by being unhindered unhindered and find readily doable to be a hero and save the day, will indeed be judged by the law of karma but take that great interfere into account as a mitigating factor. This does not let the person off the hook. After all, they will still be greatly hindered and at risk of failing a test of courage in the future again, if unlucky enough to face similar circumstances, if not in the current life, in a future life. This is the curse of trauma that it will carry forward and is relentless through the law of karma in returning again and again to a person to challenge them until they find a way to heal and overcome their prior difficulties. So that individual seeming to get off easy because they took no personal risk to save someone drowning will indeed suffer and suffer greatly. And it was not the place of that child witness who as an artist took it upon himself to be a judge and jury and humiliate that teen who could not act and expose him to public shaming. That was an act of cruelty and will, in effect, transfer an equal transgression to him in taking the life of another because it caused that former teen to hang himself. 
That death is now on the shoulders of the artist, making him feel he would rather be dead than continue to live with a memory of all that has happened. Keep in mind that prior to being exposed in public for his childhood failure to rescue someone and then hanging himself, his life was cursed because that event was unforgettable for him and had countless nightmares reliving the experience and feeling inner shame and humiliation and his helplessness in the circumstance. To have that exposed in public with him in the spotlight compounded a growing wound that was deepening and widening all lifelong through self-inflicted judgment. So that act of a kind of revenge by the artist was much more severe and harsh punishment than he himself realized. In wanting to expiate his own inner guilt, as he was young and helpless himself and being unable to prevent the drowning, he caused another death and will have that as a karmic burden going forward until he finds a way to rebalance and repay the additional tragedy he caused. You know, when I first heard this story, I had a shiver go up my spine. I thought to myself, boy, that is a chunk of karma I do not want. This was this was this is a tragic story uh, across the board, you know, um, and there's so much there's so much to unwind here, and there's so much so many lessons here, you know. This idea that this this teenager who failed to act, creator is telling us that this guy was this poor guy was tortured throughout life, you know, countless nightmares and and tremendous blow to his own self esteem, and and then the artist didn't probably know that he probably thought this guy was callous and perhaps was even amused by the fact that that this friend was drowning and that's that's just such a that's just such a wrong perspective it's it's hard to to phrase it's hard to put words to it actually (laughs) well if you look at the world today you see countless examples of people wanting to judge and then shame and humiliate other people for being different than they are. Yeah, we see more of that today than ever, I think. <laughs> yes, that is the order of the day. And it's part of the divide and conquer of the forces of evil being unleashed in our world. To set us up as judges and juries of one another, and to shame and belittle and accuse and criticize, humble and humiliate anyone with a difference from ourselves whether it's a racial difference, a gender difference, an ethnic or cultural background difference, an age difference, on and on and on it goes. Politics, religion. We have warring factions factions working in opposition to one another everywhere. And it's a kind of evil abroad in the land. It truly is. And these are kind of outsized examples of extreme consequences where people end up dead. But I tell you, people bullied online through Facebook and so on, some of them end up dead. They commit suicide eventually. Yeah, 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 exactly. And, you know, I, I, I've actually set in my mind to do an LHP for three victims of this last story. The artist, the teen, and the child that drowned that, that started this whole thing, you know. They probably all they could all use healing because this 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 left unhealed is going to be a nightmare for all three of those participants in a future life. You know, you could just yeah. see that. So, the Lightwork Healing Protocol is the answer to the, all these dilemmas, and you can you know give these benefits to anybody as a practitioner yourself, or you can hire 
a practitioner to do something for somebody else as well, as well as yourself. It's, it's an incredibly powerful tool, Carl. Yeah, and it's sorely needed because you can see in this one experience, this one setting, shaming that person publicly provided a terrible example for others. And some of those will use that as a justification to do something similar in their own lives. You know, like the damage, it's just kind of growing. <laughs> that's, a, that's a good point, Carl. I hadn't thought of that, that uh, by coming out and doing the public shaming, the example he's setting for so many of his fans and people that take in that as a lesson. Boy, that's why. I, that's probably why I got the shutter. Say, boy, I don't want that karma. Holy smokes. <laughs> yeah. That's a lot. Yeah. Be careful. Careful out there, people. <laughs> Your actions have consequences. <laughs> but um, be sure to check out the Lightworker Healing Protocols we're talking about. You can download our ebook at getwisdom.com slash LHP, getwisdom.com slash LHP. And we'll have more to say about the Lightworker Healing Protocol when we come back right after this. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Scientist and inventor Carl Mollison has discovered how a tiny percentage of people throughout history have made direct contact with God. At Get Wisdom, we have a searchable database of the Creator's wisdom and guidance from asking hundreds of probing questions. Get a free download from the Creator, answering the biggest questions people have wondered about. Who are we? Where do we come from? Why are we here? And where are we going? Get a free download explaining how to make prayer work in powerful new ways. We offer divine healing sessions with our comprehensive Lightworker Healing Protocol and train practitioners on how to save and heal humanity. We pierce the veil in channeled interviews with famous departed people now in the light to probe the greatest mysteries. Our weekly webinars feature the Creator's wisdom about solving the burning issues challenging us personally and globally. And we welcome viewer questions. There is no death. There are no secrets. Get enlightened. Visit GetWisdom.com. Success starts here. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. It's your world. You're listening to Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They are here to answer your questions and comments about the program. Send us an email to contact at getwisdom.com. That's contact at getwisdom.com. Now, back to this week's program. Welcome back to the final segment of this week's Get Wisdom. We are looking at creator's perspective on intervention versus interference, or as you put it, Carl, helping versus um, hurting. Hurting. There you go. <laughs> Thank you for saving me on that one. Uh, so we'll get, we'll get right into it. There's a lot. To, there's more to go, more to explore here. U.S. creator asking a stranger or acquaintance out on a date is arguably a form of uninvited intervention bordering on interference. Yet, for much of history, men were encouraged to pursue this outreach, and women were encouraged and even coached to be tolerant, even to, even to an extreme at times. That all seems to be changing now with today's young people, even approaching the opposite extreme of considering even a single humble proposition a form of a violent assault. Can Creator comment? All right, and this is what Creator tells us. There is certainly greater complexity in interpersonal exchanges mandated by the cultural milieu 
grown greatly distorted because of all the manipulation of the broad culture through the many interventions done to perturb human beings directly by instilling false beliefs and expectations within the deep subconscious, often a bullying of them to make them hypersensitive to any perceived slight or being approached, seen as a threat. The interlopers who manipulate the deep subconscious of human beings will be able to see their past karmic trauma as well and often will ramp up inner fear, anger, and other negative emotions by triggering greater awareness of past difficulties and carry out a propaganda campaign to convince the person they are unworthy, they are flawed, or that they are vulnerable and will be attacked and exploited, just like it has happened over and over in other lifetimes. And this will make the person very oversensitive to an overture by someone of the opposite sex and lead to great difficulty with interpersonal relationships because the overtures from others may well be misconstrued as a threat. And this can get a war going or harm to others unjustly accused of taking liberties that were not truly intentional. This unseen element is quite a scourge in everyday life at all levels. Yeah, I have to say, you know, dating was always a nightmare for me personally. (laughs) I kind of avoided it like the plague. It's kind of, you know, amazing that I ended up married at the end of the day. (laughs) Not sure how that happened. But it's a scary thing, you know. Um, And it's been compounded and made so much worse today, you know. And now there's there's even groups. Have you ever heard of MGTOW, Carl? It's a no. acronym called Men Going Their Own Way. It's a group of it's a, it's a group of men, basically a club of men that have vowed off all dating, you know, of, of women, just just because it's so you know it's it's terrible. You know, I mean, that's that's what kind of message is that sending, right? But that is kind of a an example of what's going on today, you know. And, and it's this is all inter this is all interloper interference, dark spirits, and, and the ETs. I think a lot of it. Yes, that is exactly what's going on. That is the essence of the entire social justice movement. I don't like getting into politics, but this is an example of warring factions male against female, and then male and female cisgendered people against all the others, and, you know, presumably looking down on the ones who were different from them. Well, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, don't we need each other? <laughs> don't, <laughs> don't most men want a woman, or they want a significant other of whatever right. flavor is suitable for them? This isn't about hate and loathing and and discrimination it doesn't have to be but to presume it's that causes huge trouble and tension and then misunderstandings and then a backlash and then you get a war going yeah yeah. and we fall into it all so often because we're primed within the mind to expect it and so we see racism everywhere we see discrimination we see uh Poor treatment by others who are kind of supposedly the nemesis of you know our particular group or orientation, and we're it's a setup yeah. that we just fall for, and society buys, and 
and they're championing all kinds of supposed re-education that rubs it in. Yeah. That if you haven't heard of it yet, they'll be sure you get the message. This is the way it really is. They're out to get you, you know. They're going to oppress you unless you oppress them first. So let's take away their rights and let's diminish them and demean them and beat them back. And then they'll leave you alone. And we're seeing that in terms of this pandemic, too. You know, the people that wear the mask versus the people that doesn't wear the mask. The hostility between those two camps is just growing out of proportion. Well, it's a one-size-fits-all kind of trauma drama. Yeah. That leaves (laughs) no one unscathed. (laughs) I like that, trauma drama. That's a good one, Carl. Well, maybe not, but it's it's an interesting one anyway. U.S. Creator, can Creator share how prayer work and the Lightworker Healing Protocol can help individuals master the intervene or not to intervene art of living dilemma and how such mastery is critical to the survival of humanity? All right, Creator tells us the following. There's a lot of good insights here, so please listen carefully. Because personal interrelationships and relationships of a person with a group of others are so numerous all throughout one's life, it is quite important to understand the dynamics of human psychology on a complete basis. The true workings of the mind are not yet understood by science and the psychologists. And similarly, the basic phenomena of existence are poorly understood by the culture. So people are not taught about the workings of the mind and its foibles, as well as the quite important reality that human beings are almost always corrupted to a small or large extent by interlopers, the dark spirits who possess people to obtain energy and interfere with their thoughts and carry out a campaign of propaganda and bullying in the deep subconscious to throw people off balance and create chronic stress on a lifelong basis that has many ramifications for all that happens. People simply will not be at their best and will develop troubled relationships with others as a consequence. Their actions and reactions to things may well be exaggerated or inappropriate because they're reacting not only to those around them, but to their inner demons, so to speak. And this is a prescription for disaster with many complications and misunderstandings happening again and again. These are frequently reinforced when someone is rejected again and again by those around them or by teachers or caregivers judging their conduct in a simplistic way and perhaps holding them to expectations higher than can be met, given a person's oversensitivity and fragile nature, or in some cases, overreacting to inner torment by becoming belligerent and even oppositional and defiant to authority. When this alteration of the person ends up in causing a true character disorder like narcissism, or even to such a degree where a person can be considered a sociopath, damage has become so severe it might never be undone. Working on one's faults and shortcomings, one's blind spots, one's inner and inappropriate sensitivities to things that might be old karmic trauma rearing its ugly head can only be dealt with through assistance of the divine realm because it will not be within the capability of the person themselves 
to even see all the different factors involved because they are blind to what is taking place in their own deep subconscious mind. This puts them at an impossible disadvantage in not understanding what they are truly dealing with. This is the explanation for why so many have chronic anxiety with seemingly little cause or justification. It just happens, and they think it is some kind of physiologic disturbance, perhaps genetic in origin, that may only be dealt with through medication. Such approaches are a band-aid at best. True healing needs divine assistance. That is what prayer and the Lightworker Healing Protocol are for. Both have a place in helping people overcome their challenges and difficulties in life. Prayer done in the highest and best way with an informed series of prayers that contain empowerments that enable the divine to do its utmost on a person's behalf will only be learned from the divine realm itself through an authentic source such as the channel speaking these words. This is an unfortunate legacy of the troubled history of humanity. Most problems will need divine healing that can only come about in an effective way utilizing the Lightworker Healing Protocol because it is the only tool that has a comprehensive series of requests addressing virtually all the potential sources of negativity that can be a factor in any human interchange that is not going well. It is superb in bringing about a path forward that will engineer a divine intervention and will be applied again and again and again to keep working at all of the past difficulties. Even with such a campaign using the Lightworker Healing Protocol, it may be a lifelong prospect for many to get out from under the mountain of old trauma. It may be months or even years in the making, but it will not happen without that initial healing being launched. This is a choice open to all, and we encourage everyone to avail themselves of this breakthrough in advancing humanity, both individually and collectively. The needs of all are addressed as well, because the perpetrators, individually and collectively, are always included in a protocol session as targets. So the healing will spread far beyond the individual client given highest priority. This is a tremendous blessing that will change human destiny if enough people become involved in the healing enterprise. And becoming involved is critically important because uh, the innovations that you've done with the Lightwork Healing Protocol with creator's input is to have it go on kind of an autopilot after it's said once. And so the healing will go on and on and on. And so the launching, that was emphasized, the healing needs to be launched. Because once it's launched, it's got a lot of momentum. We'll keep going for a long time, Carl. Well, and it's something everyone will derive benefits from. We've been told that about 30% of our clients who just have a Lightworker Healing Protocol session will have a minimum of one year added to their lifespan. Wow. And some will have many years, even decades because it heads off a karmic dilemma that's going to come up and overwhelm them at some point, and they would die young, you know, well, through heart disease or cancer, whatever end mechanism the law of karma works through. 
But those things can be foreseen by the divine realm. And that's the beauty of this. You don't know. Yes. Like we're hearing protocol, get a get wisdom com slash LHP. Unfortunately, we cannot go on with this like we can with the healing. This episode is over, Carl. Thanks for joining us. Be well. Thank you for listening today. Please tune in next Friday for another edition of Get Wisdom with Carl Mollison and Brian Kelly. They'll be here at 10 a.m. Pacific Time and 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We wish you a beautiful week. Mm-hmm.